Blog Talk Radio. The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymoor, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. A reporter at Fatima. My name is Gordon Parker. I'm a foreign correspondent. My last assignment was Moscow. My reporting stint in Russia lasted three years. I ran into trouble there a few months ago. Why, I don't know. Maybe I was too rough for them. They like to give the world a rosy impression of life in Russia. I wrote it the way I saw it. Anyway, the Wire Association finally had to assign another correspondent to Moscow... And I got a plane ticket to Lisbon. I reported to the manager of our Lisbon office. I uh, thought you'd be anxious to hear about your next assignment. Rome or Paris? Paris, but not right away. First, a brief assignment here. In Portugal? Fatima. Where? Fatima. Surely you've heard the story of Fatima. Well, that happened 40 years ago. The Wire Association wants a complete background story. From me? Why me? I don't know the country, the language beats me, and I hardly know the story of Fatima. That's the idea. Our correspondents in Portugal grew up with the story. We have um, prejudices, for or against it. What they want is a fresh study without bias or color. I still don't get it. The whole world is likely to blow up, and they send me on a dead story. Not dead, my friend. Part of what was revealed to the children has never been made public. It will be in 1960. I thought all the kids were dead. No, one still lives. A nun in a convent at Coimbra. The feeling is the message will affect the world. Do you believe that? No, that's immaterial. Let's just say there's a good deal of public interest in what that sealed envelope contains. And you're assigned to do a fresh story on all the events leading up to its release. If you've got any complaints, wire New York. That's how I got my assignment to Fatima. I figured the key to the story was the message to be made public in 1960. It was in possession of the Bishop of Leiria, whose diocese includes the town of Fatima. So I phoned for an interview and was told to come the next day. 
You're welcome, Mr. Parker. Though I'm not sure I can be of service to you. You do have the secret portion of the message in your possession. That is correct. What can you tell me about it? Nothing. Nothing? Not until 1960. Oh, can you tell me the nature of the message? No, Mr. Parker. How does it come to be in your possession? In 1936, I asked Sister Maria Lucia... That's one of the three children who saw the vision? The only one still living, yes. Uh-huh. I asked Sister Maria Lucia to write a full account of the apparitions. The world has since been given most of what she wrote down, except for the final portion. It will be kept secret until 1960. Yeah, but the children first heard the messages in 1917. Why didn't they tell everything right away? They did. All except a small portion they were told to keep secret until later. Why, I wonder? Obviously, some parts of the secret message would have meant little to anyone if they were revealed immediately. Only when world events took shape after many years would they become clear and significant. And remember this. The oldest child was only ten years old when they heard the messages. Their immature minds would have been incapable of understanding, much less relaying all that they heard. Not until they reached maturity. And only one of them did. Only then could they transmit parts of the message intelligibly. Then you believe the secret message will have meaning for the world today with the Cold War and the Russian threat? I cannot answer that. I'd like to start at the beginning. What were the children like? Ordinary peasant stock. They couldn't read or write. Lucia was the eldest, only ten, and the others were her cousins, Francisco Marto, boy of nine, and his sister Jacinta, eight years old. They were shepherds. That's how they came to be in the meadow that day they first saw the apparition. Tell me about it. I would gladly, but for your purposes, I think you should find the facts elsewhere. You'll be more convinced learning the facts from people who don't want to believe, but can't deny the facts. That was fair enough. So I started digging. I got most of the story from the newspaper morgues. Discarding all rumor and hearsay and just laying down the facts, this is the way the story starts that first day, Sunday, May 13, 1917. About noon that day, the three kids guided their sheep out to a meadow, a place called the Cova da Iria, which was on the farm Lucia's father owned. Something very strange happened that day, something that made the kids so awestruck they decided not to tell anybody about it. But when they went home, the youngest one, Jacinta, couldn't contain it. She blurted out the story. Her father, a man named T. Marto, didn't believe it, but went over to Lucia's house to get to the bottom of it. Lucia's mother, Maria Rose, opened the door. Oh, come in, T. Did you have your supper? Uh, yes, Maria. Uh, come in. Maria, did Lucia tell you anything that happened today? Huh? What's that girl been up to now? Well, no, it's nothing she did. I... I don't know how to say it, but... Jacinta and Francisco... Well, what about your precious children? Well, they said they saw the Blessed Virgin. The Blessed? Nonsense. And you believed them? Well, no, no, but... Well, they've never lied before. All children lie. Yes, I suppose. Well, did Lucia say nothing? Huh. Lucia, come here. Now, your cousins have been telling fibs at home. They said they saw... They told. Told what? They promised they wouldn't. Lucia, tell your uncle you saw nothing. I can't. 
can't tell him that, Mama. Are you saying you did see something? Yes. What? Be careful now. I saw a lady. And who was the lady, Maria? Don't be afraid. Tell us. There was lightning. I think it was lightning. We thought a storm was coming, so we ran under a tree. There was no storm today. It wasn't a storm. When we looked up, there was a, like, like a ball of light, and a lady was standing on it. <gasps> You'll get another if you don't tell the truth. It is the truth. The lady was all white, brighter than the sun. Did she speak? Don't encourage her, Key. Now, go on. I don't want to. Now, what did she say? She said, don't be afraid. I won't hurt you. That's all? I asked where she came from, and she said, from heaven. Lies. All lies. Oh, they, they did see something. Go on, Lucia. I asked why she'd come, and she said, I have come to ask you to come here at the same time on the 13th day of each of the next five months. In October, I will tell you who I am and what I want. Now that's all. Into bed. Yes, Mom. I'll be right up. Marto, you're a fool listening to her. It doesn't hurt to ask. Well, I'll get the truth out of her. And tomorrow morning you'll admit you're a fool. But Lucia and the others stuck to their strange story. Francisco said he saw the lady but couldn't hear her. His sister, Jacinta, said the lady spoke to Lucia, but she could also hear what was said. Lucia said the lady spoke directly to her. The story spread fast. Everybody took turns questioning them, including the village priest. But nobody could shake the kids. June 13th, their next day to visit the Cova, fell on the feast day of St. Anthony of Padua. It was a great day of fiesta in the village, and all the kids waited for it like ours do for Christmas. To go to the Cova instead meant missing the fun, but they went anyway. So did their parents and about 50 villagers. They saw the children kneel and then heard Lucia speaking to someone. Some of the witnesses said they saw a small cloud hovering over the treetops, and a sound like a horsefly in a bottle. But that's all. After it was over, the kids were taken to Father Ferreira, the village priest. You claim you saw the lady, too? Yes, Father. She was very beautiful. What did she say? Jacinta told you. I want you to tell me. Now, Lucia, you were heard to ask, what do you want me to do? Now, the truth. Did she answer? Yes. She said... I want you to come here on the 13th of the next month and to say five decades of the rosary every day. Well, why should she say that? Is it likely that a lady should appear to tell you to do something you and everyone else in the village already does? I'm only telling you what she said. All right, go on. She said, I want you to learn to read. I will tell you later what my wishes are. Anything else? I asked if she'd come to take us to heaven. What an imagination. She said, yes, I will come soon to take Jacinta and Francisco. You mean to heaven? Yes. But she said to me, you will have to stay here much longer. Jesus wishes to use you to make me known and loved. He desires to establish devotion to my immaculate heart throughout the world. Why should she say such things to you? Aren't there more worthy people? Yes. Then tell the truth. All right. Wait outside and tell your mother to come in. I don't believe her either. And what about you, Timato? Father, I I think they believe what they say. 
But perhaps it's only in their minds. You mean an illusion? No, I don't think so. I believe they did see something. Don't be taken in, Father. I'm not sure what they saw was holy. There are evil things in this world. Even adults are taken in. Children all the more so. This frightened Lucia so much when she heard about it, she resolved never to go back to the Kova. By the time July 13th came around, Lucia's fears suddenly vanished, and she decided to go back after all. When they got there, this time they found some four or 5,000 people waiting. Again, the crowd saw the children kneel and heard Lucia speaking, then listening. And after a while, they saw the children suddenly go pale and cry out. Then again, the children listened intently. That's when the government stepped in. The public administrator of the prefecture was a man named Arturo de Oliveria Santos. He sent for the children, but T. Marto showed up instead. Why didn't you bring the children? I want to know why you want them first. To question them, you fool. Question me? They've told me everything. Oh, no, my friend. We both know they're lying. I intend to make them admit it. Well, there's nothing to admit. You put them up to this, you and the church. The priest doesn't believe them either. So he says. We shouldn't have left any priests in Portugal. You've left few enough. You people you don't understand. We've done you a service ridding you of priests. And for this you expect our thanks? Yes, we do. We've taken the church off your backs. Don't you understand? Your religion is the main cause of your wretchedness. Help us, and in another generation we'll wipe it out. You don't want it wiped out. Only because of superstition. And now you're playing their game. That's why they put the children up to this. To make people think there really is a god. And that he sent his mother to keep you in the faith. So that's why she's come. Idiot. Of course. All right. Now go and bring back the children immediately. Not if you mean them harm. You think we're barbarians? But wait. All right, if you're frightened, I'll go to them. Yes. Expect me just before August the 13th, when they're to see the lady again. The day before the children were to visit the cova for the fourth time, Santos showed up as promised. He questioned Lucia closely on what she had been told on the previous visit. And what did you ask the lady then? What she wanted me to do. And she said? That I was to come again on the 13th day of next month. That's tomorrow morning? Yes. And you're going? She asked me to. Yes, of course. What else did she say? I was to continue to say the rosary every day to obtain peace for the world and the end of the war. You mean the great war will end if you just say your beads? She meant for everyone to say the rosary every day. Even me? Yes. And the great war will end? She said she alone could bring it about. What a fine way to end a war by saying your beads. You don't believe me? Would you if you were me? I asked her to make a miracle so that everyone would believe. And what did she say? She would. She would? When? She said, in October I will tell you who I am and what I want, and I will perform a great miracle so that everyone will believe you. Well, isn't that fine? And do you think she will? Oh, yes, she said she would. And other people will see this miracle? Oh, yes. But what if they don't? They will. But if they don't, that will end all this nonsense, won't it? But she said they would. We'll see. Now, little girl, one last question. Why did you turn pale and cry out when you saw the lady last time? She showed us something. Something bad? Yes. What? 
great fire with demons and people burning in it. They groaned and they screamed and they made us afraid. You mean you saw the fires of hell? Yes. Now, why would a nice lady show that to little children? She said, you have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart. If they do what I shall tell you, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. She said the great war is drawing to its close. The great war is coming to an end. She told you that? But she also said if people do not cease offending God, there will be a worse war in the reign of the next pope. Another war. World War II, when the first isn't over yet. That's what she said. Do you know what happens to little girls who lie? Never mind. What else did she say? I can't tell you. Can't tell me? No. Did the priest put you up to this? No. Tell me, little girl. I can't. I can make you tell, but not now. I'll give you a little time to think. But when I come again, if you don't tell me the secret, you'll die. Santos came back the next morning. He told the children that he was taking them personally to the cova. But once out of sight of their parents, he turned his automobile around and carried them away. So that day, August 13th, 18,000 people arrived in the cova to learn that the children had been put in jail. There, Santos bullied and cuffed them without success. Finally, he threatened to put them in boiling oil unless they told their secret. He took Jacinta away first and came to tell the other two that he had thrown her in the boiling vat. Next, he took Francisco. Lucia was terrified, but prepared to die rather than tell the secret portion of what she had heard. When Santos saw this, he gave up. He might have been even more brutal, except he feared the wrath of the crowd. The 18,000 people who were disappointed at the cova that day had left money on a huge table there to build a shrine. Although the fourth visit did not happen on schedule, a week later, when the children were home, again tending their flock, they said they had another visit from the lady. The lady was very angry with those who had kept us away. I asked her what was to be done with the money. She said some was to be used for celebrating the feast of Our Lady of the Rosary and the rest for building a chapel. I asked her again for a miracle, and she said again that she would grant it in October. The fifth and next to last visit was scheduled for September 13, 1917. On the appointed day, upwards of 30,000 people jammed the Cova area to witness it. Again, the crowd saw the children kneel and listen. And again, the message told by the children, the persistent, recurring message, peace through prayer, peace through the rosary. And now about the final visit and the miracle. The suspense was great and nationwide. A miracle was promised. One all could see what it would be, nobody knew. How many people do you think turned up that day? 70,000. 70,000 people who wanted to see a miracle, or not to see one and laugh at the children's story. Most of the newspapers sent reporters, so if you want to dispute what happened, you've got to dispute the word of trained, objective, and disinterested reporters. In checking out the story, I even took into account that some of the reporters were prejudiced. Just to make sure, I stuck with the reports from the newspapers who were unfriendly to the church and who, given half the chance, would have exposed the whole thing for a hoax. One of these newspapers was O Seculo, published in Lisbon and read everywhere. To get their story of what had happened that day, 
I call on the present-day editor of O Secolo. Good afternoon, Mr. Parker. I received your telephone call, and I think I've got the story you want here. A remarkable story. Do you believe it? How can I doubt it? My own father wrote the story. He was editor of O Secolo in 1917. And even if I didn't know him to be an honest reporter, there were too many eyewitnesses to fake it. Was your father prepared to see a miracle? <laughs> you didn't know my father, Mr. Parker. And just the day before, he'd written a derisive report ridiculing people for expecting anything of the kind. He went to Fatima for the pleasure of seeing that nothing happened. But he did see something. He and thousands of others. He had no choice but to write what he saw. Why are you smiling, Mr. Parker? Well, as a correspondent, I just wondered how I'd feel in his place if I had to send back a story saying, I saw the sun dance. Yes. He saw the sun dance. Shall I read you what he wrote that day? Please. My father wrote, A unique and unbelievable sight. The vast crowd looked up at the sun. It was like a dull silver plate. It neither burnt nor dazzled. And then a tremendous clamor broke out from the crowd. With bared heads, full of terror, they gazed at the sky. The sun trembled and made some abrupt movements never seen before and outside all the laws of the universe. And he concludes, uh, It now remains for those qualified to do so to explain this fantastic dance of the sun. Well, it's the substance of my father's report, Mr. Parker. Some I've read are even more graphic. Yes, I know. I've read them. Of course, the sun couldn't have plunged toward the earth. The sun is stationary. Yes, I agree, Mr. Parker. I can't explain it. Neither can the scientists. We only know it did happen. Well, it could have been mass hallucination. Yes, if the thousands there had known what they were expected to see. But they didn't. That's true. It may also interest you to know that some among the 70,000 saw nothing. I, I don't know what that means, except that it would rule out mass hallucination. Moreover, people 30 to 50 miles away saw it. They weren't part of the crowd. They were alone. So it couldn't be a form of crowd suggestion. And uh, what happened there was seen only in a limited area around Fatima. The people elsewhere in the world on whom the same sun was shining saw nothing. Hmm. I'll have to think about it for a while. Welcome to the club. I've been thinking about it all my life. The miracle witnessed by the 70,000 was remarkable enough, but nothing to compare with what the children say they saw that day. The lady appeared again and said to me, I am Our Lady of the Rosary. The rosary must be said every day. Men must amend their lives and ask for forgiveness for their sins. Let them cease to offend our Lord, for he is already offended too much. And then I saw the Holy Family, St. Joseph and Mary and the infant child. So ends our report on the events of the year 1917 at Fatima, Portugal. But the story doesn't end here. I checked up on what happened to the children. First on Jacinta and her brother, Francisco, who said the lady had told them she would soon take them to heaven. Within two years of the vision, both were dead. The third child, Lucia, who was told to learn to read and write so that she might serve God, became a Carmelite nun. Almost 20 years later, she wrote down a full account of what she had been told, including the secret portions. 
Part of this was revealed at that time. I asked for Russia to be consecrated to my Immaculate Heart and for the communion of reparation on the first Saturday. If my request is heard, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. If not, Russia will spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions of the church. Good people will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer, and several nations will be destroyed. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me. She will be converted, and a period of peace will be granted to the world. In 1943, the Vatican acted on the message. Pope Pius XII consecrated the whole world to the Immaculate Heart with special mention of Russia. The final secret portion of the message of Fatima will be made public in 1960. Well, that finished my assignment to Fatima. But hardly a day goes by that something doesn't happen to make me think of it. The idea that wars are punishment for mankind's sins. The idea that prayer can bring peace. I've lived my life in an era of wars and in fear that the big one might be touched off. We spend a great deal of time and energy and money trying to prevent war and preserve the peace. <laughs> Doesn't seem to be enough, does it? I'm going back to Fatima in 1960 for the last part of the story. listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony's Shrine, Graymore. Attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement, Graymore. Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.